Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 152 called Jamie B, Glitter Enthusiast. Hello, everybody. This is Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally, and we are here to tell you a little bit about who we are, what we do, and how we can support you on your infertility journey. So we wanted to let you know that Fertility Rally is the membership group that we created. It's the place we wish we had when we were in the thick of it. We offer support groups. We have private Facebook groups. We have tons of events, lots of videos, blog posts, so much content. We're starting to do IRL events as well. And we want to be there for you no matter where you are on your journey. Yeah, our favorite part, we had no idea where this would go when we started it. And our favorite part about it is watching all of our members, which is like 300 plus at this point, connect and create true lifelong friendships. We have members that are meeting up in real life. We have members that are supporting each other on Instagram. We have members that call each other best friends now. And honestly, like that is the most rewarding thing to see. We had no idea it would go here. And so we're just, we're inviting you to join the Rally Fam. Yeah, it's such a great space. It's a safe space. We also have fun when we can. So we would love for you to be a part of it. Check us out on fertilityrally.com and on Instagram at fertilityrally. Hope to see you guys soon. Guys, I am so excited to tell you today about this new podcast from my friend, Dr. Laura Shaheen. Many of you probably know her, Dr. Shaheen from social media and her incredible reels and amazing TikToks. She is so good on social media. She's also a dear friend of mine and a friend of Fertility Rally. She even spoke at our very first Fertility Rally Live on a panel of badass female doctors. So she's just awesome. And now she has her own podcast. As you guys know, she is a double board certified reproductive endocrinologist say that fast 10 times, and the founder of the Center for Recurrent Pregnancy Loss at Pacific Northwest Fertility. And her podcast, which is so, so good, is out now and it's called Baby or Bust. So on her show, she features fertility experts and patients who very much like on this show are busting myths, shattering stigmas, and providing best practices to help anybody trying to make their baby dream come true. The show addresses the numerous questions that people struggling with fertility might be too scared or uncomfortable to ask with topics ranging from when to see a fertility doctor to surrogacy to the emotional stress of infertility to male factor infertility to family building for the LGBTQ plus community, which I love. And I know you guys are going to love it too. So it's called Baby or Bust. And you can check it out today on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. Check it out, Baby or Bust. Thank you so much, Dr. Shaheen. All right, guys. So today I am talking to a very cool, very artistic woman named Jamie, who you guys probably know as Glitter Enthusiast on Instagram and on her website, which is glitterenthusiast.com. She does the coolest shit inspired by her own infertility journey. She uses sterile IVF needles to create art and decor, which is beautiful and so unique. And a lot of it ends up in the nurseries of babies who have come after infertility. So it's a very cool way that you know she's, as we always say, making her message out of her mess. And she today is going to tell us all about her long and winding journey to having her twin boys and everything she went through, and then how she started creating this art to put you know a more of a positive spin on everything, and to 
take something bad, these IVF needles and make something beautiful out of it. So I love what she's doing. She's really cool. And without further ado, this is Jamie's infertility story. So, hey, thank you so much for doing this. It's so good to talk to you. You too, Allison. Thank you so much for having me on. This is really exciting. Yeah, me too. I've been following you on Instagram for a while. So I'll say right off the bat that your handle is Glitter Enthusiast and you make really, really cool art and decor using sterile IVF needles. So we'll talk about that more as we go through your story, but it's beautiful, the artwork that you create. So have you always been an artist? Thank you. So I've always been incredibly creative, really used art and crafting as my escape for, for when I needed that. Mm -hmm. Um, always, always my go-to. I feel like when I, you know, in high school, when I was having a hard time in high school, I would kind of go to the basement where, which was my art studio at the time and really create, it releases a lot for me and helps me get through things for Mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. And I feel like you're helping so many other people too, because you're repurposing these needles, which can have a very negative stigma or negative, mm-hmm. you know, vibe and in creating this beautiful artwork. And like many people are hanging it in their nurseries when they finally do become pregnant or just in their homes. And it's such a cool way to, I think, repurpose, you know, something that was not great and make something beautiful out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. It's been a very cool full circle kind of feeling for me. And now being on the other side of my fertility journey, it's, it helps me honor my own journey and honor other people's journeys as they're going through it. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk, let's get into your story. So I know you do have a infertility journey of your own. So tell me about Mm -hmm. when you guys started to try to have kids Mm -hmm. and what happened. Yeah. So we, um, we're from Potomac, Maryland. Initially, um, both my husband and I are, and we actually met in New York City on J date. Ooh, um, cool! I know, right? What was your Fancy. first date like? Oh, we went to this place called Amber. We had a ton of sushi. He was a Brian's a year younger than me, which was <laughs> I was so insecure about because I'd never gone out with someone younger than me. Now I don't even. Under, I don't even remember, yeah. but this was like 12 years ago. And they actually, on our date, the, the waitress came over and she asked for his ID for a drink. He gave it oh, and I pulled God. out my ID and, and she was like, oh no, we don't need it. Oh so, God. I, I feel so old. <laughs> So yeah, it was, it was kind of a whirlwind romance in New York city. And we always kind of knew we wanted to come back to the Maryland area and have children. And, you know, mm-hmm. you say, I want kids, you blink an eye, you, you jump up and down two times and twirl around and the kid comes out. Right. In most cases. So, yeah. 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 Not, not for us, not so much for us. So we actually, um, we moved back to Maryland. This was early 2015, we had been trying for about six months at that point. And then we, we were trying on our own every, every month, Mm -hmm. there would be nothing Mm -hmm. on the pregnancy test. You know how that goes. It's incredibly draining, hard on a relationship, upsetting. You think the one thing you're supposed to do 
isn't happening. I, I jumped two times. I twirled around and nothing happened. Right. Exactly. Um, Did mm -hmm. you have friends who were, you know, passing you by as it were, you know, getting pregnant really easily yeah. and all that? Yeah. I love how you said passing you by, because I really felt that I, I yeah. I've never been a competitive person, but I just felt like time was not on our side and, and we were wasting time or the time clock was ticking. I just felt like time was such a huge thing for me at that time. I'm glad mm -hmm. that you said that. Yeah. I mean, um, don't you feel like in infertility time is so mm -hmm. brutal? It's like, there's so much waiting, but then on the other hand, you feel like the months are flying by and you're losing time. And it's such a like weird dichotomy of like things going quickly and things going really slowly. Absolutely. And we moved from New York city that is full of, you know, it was, it was full of young people working and we moved to Rockville, Maryland, which is full of children. So as time went by, I would feel like I would look out the window and kids would go by. And I just felt like, yeah. How, empty. so how old were you when you guys moved from the city? So yeah, we moved back and it took really a year and a half before we sought treatment. We were just trying on our own. And I was very convinced that I was just not able to get pregnant. Like that was just not happening for me. Mm -hmm. And maybe I didn't know how Like <laughs> it right. was just, yeah. And at the time my friends were like, you know, it's good to wait because we tried on the first time and that's what we did. Brian mm -hmm. and I met when I was 25. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of early, mm -hmm. I would say in, in New York time, you know, um, while we had left, we came here, I was 30. I just okay. turned 30 when we were moving here. A lot of my friends in New York still hadn't met anyone and, gotcha. and that was their goal. So yeah, it did feel like we were earlier in the getting married, which kind of was painful a little bit that it was the delay of getting pregnant because I feel like the judgment was just there. Right. So when I would see anyone, I think I felt like their faces were telling me, where's the kid, mm, even if they weren't saying that, even if, yeah, even if they weren't even thinking about it, I just felt the, the pressure and the, um, the judgment mm -hmm. probably wasn't there. And here's a good example that we, my husband and I love going to the farmer's market. That's our favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, so on Sunday mornings we go and I would look around and I would say, everyone's pregnant here. Like, I don't, I just don't feel comfortable here. I just want to go home right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everyone's pregnant. And Brian would be like, who's pregnant? Like, show me three people who are pregnant. I'm like, they're all pregnant. Take <laughs> <laughs> right. me home. Yeah, exactly. It does seem like that when you like, they're popping up everywhere. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, and we would go out with our friends and they would, and a friend would be like, you know, I'm not drinking, you're pregnant. And I was just like, it was so hard. And I still feel that for others now, but I will say a lot of, a lot of those feelings, I, I have trouble accessing now, which is a weird thing to say. Cause I totally remember all the feelings, but just like actually feeling it or accessing it is difficult, which was a good thing for me. So I, through the fertility process, I found a therapist that before, before we started treatment, I found a therapist that went through the same thing as me 10 years before, same, same doctor as we were starting treatment. And I was telling her how I was just having so many issues on Instagram or on Facebook that when I scrolled, it was all babies, 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 bumps, yeah. bumps, bumps. Yeah. 
So she was like, you know, before I go into my story, like she was like, Jamie, why don't you start your own Instagram account and make it your happy place and fill it with only accounts that you want to go on. So when you feel like you have to go on social media, you're going to a safe place. Ooh, good advice. Good therapist. Right. Right. Great therapist. And, and that happy place for me, I was like, well, what would I call it? What is a happy, what's happy to me? And glitter (laughs) is so happy to me. I'm like big into sparkles for years and years and and, um, come from a a rhinestone loving family. That's a whole nother conversation or a whole nother day, but (laughs) I called it glitter enthusiast and it was my happy place. And what makes me happy painting and what makes me happy kind of showing my work and connecting with others. So that's when I, I started glitter enthusiast as I was really starting my journey. Yeah. We we sought treatment after a year and a half. I'm 31 at this point. Mm-hmm. And we went to Shady Grove. I I literally live a stone's throw from Shady Grove, Rockville, the the number, the first Shady Grove. Okay. So there was there was no question and that's where we were gonna go. Uh-huh. And I remember even like telling my mom I'm gonna go see a fertility doctor. She was like, that's extreme, Jamie. Like that's that's that feels dramatic. <laughs> Why did she think that? Cause you hadn't been trying for a long time or just cause it's such a big because, step I or mean, she's, yeah, she's very, very, very supportive. My parents are so supportive, but I think that going to seek treatment because people didn't really talk about it. Then we're mm-hmm. talking, this is like six years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. It's exactly when I was going through this too, or a little, I was a little bit before that, but yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. We're, we're, you're my people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it just felt like a, a huge, maybe unnecessary step because it was so not normal that someone would have problems. So really educating my parents and now other people's parents about what it's like to support someone and go through infertility ourselves is very much a, a mission for me. Oh, that's cool. So what us. do you, what are some tips that you can give people who are listening right now? Like if it's a parent or a loved one, like what are a couple of things that they can do? I would say I would send the parent or the supporter, as we call them, to different Instagram accounts that show things, just just um, buzzwords you can say, things you can say that really take yourself out of it and support the person knowing it's their journey. So here's an example. My mom, and I'm going to rat on my mom a lot. She's like the best ever. She... It's, it's really having her learn how to be objective and say, that sucks. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. What do you need? You're driving this where it's, it's lovely to say to someone, you know, if, if you relax, just when you stop thinking about it, you're going to get pregnant. If you relax, you're going to get pregnant. All of these things that, that, that we are solving the solution themselves, all of these things we think it's okay to say, mm-hmm. it puts so much undue pressure on, on me. I would rather drive the boat because I'm going to feel a certain way today. I might feel a different way tomorrow. I might feel a different way in an hour from now, based on all that's going on in my body and in my, in my head that I just need someone to be my rock mm-hmm. and say, Okay, I'm with you on this journey. You let me know what you need and I'm here. Love that. You know, and really, yeah. and really really talking about you know, it's my life, it's my journey, but also it's my um instruction manual to give others. Mm-hmm. 
So when you're talking to, if I'm talking, was talking to my mom at that time, I would say, Hey mom, I'm, I'm in a a harder place today. And what I need from you is I just need you to listen to me. I'm going to, I'm going to go off for a second. I just need you to listen, say, "Uh uh-huh. And say, I'm with you. Yep. And then her actually doing that to me is, is supportive, huge, and that she is a safe place for me. Yeah. So we, um, started with IUI and we did three IUIs. Mm -hmm. Um, the only thing that we ever found was that there might be one of my tubes might be blocked, but maybe not. So it was really unexplained fertility, which is like the worst. worst (laughs) It is. It's so hard. Cause it's like, you just want to fix it and you just want some direction. And that's such a black hole of like, it could be so many different things. And the doctors who, you know, admittedly are human beings and don't have all the answers. And this is such a, you know, a field where there's 150 million variables that, you know, can go Mm -hmm. through somebody and everybody's body is so different. So for them to not know makes sense sometimes, but it's, it is so frustrating. So we went through three months of IUI, um, and kind of knowing it wasn't going to work because I, I wasn't producing as much as we thought. So then they said, you know, you're a perfect candidate for IVF. Why don't you start doing IVF? And to me, I was like, okay, I get my IVF appointment all set. Then I spin around in a circle, then I'm pregnant. You know, I had no friends going through this. At least I didn't know I did. And then after I started sharing my journey, like everyone came out of the woodworks and was like, oh, I'm going through it too. Isn't it crazy how that happens? Ugh. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So we started IVF in 2017, January 2017. I got five embryos. Mm-hmm. I was not, the doctor did not recommend that I test them because I was 31 at the time, which I go back and forth with if I if I would have tested or not, would have cut a Prada, you know, it it's exactly. hard to. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I did, I transferred a fresh embryo. Uh-huh. Um, so I had five embryos. I transferred the first one and it, the embryo split yep. and it was twin boys. Amazing. And I was, it was amazing. It was like the best feeling ever in the whole world until I went for my sonogram and the nurse said, uh, let me get the doctor and, you know, kind of know how that goes. And you're so confused because I spun around. I, I clapped my hands. I clicked my heels. This was supposed to work and it didn't. And that had you seen the heartbeat at that point before though? I had not, I had not seen the heartbeat. I mean, Um, it's not that it makes it easier or harder. I was just curious of how, like how far along. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I hadn't seen the heartbeat and I didn't even know that that was a step that people were excited about. Mm-hmm. I just kind of thought you got pregnant or you didn't like it mm-hmm. worked or it didn't. So if it, if my numbers were rising, they were doubling every other day, then I was going to have a live birth. I never, mm-hmm. I didn't know this, these other milestones or steps. Same. I didn't know anything. Um, yeah. I was so clear. Really? Oh, every it step wasn't of the way. A, it wasn't, 
Yeah, it wasn't that prevalent then. And especially on like Instagram or when you did seek out that information, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't any like cool girls guide to IVF at that point. Now there's so many resources. Yeah. So I'm grateful to, for others that totally that, that is the experience now, but also ignorance is bliss, right? So it's kind of a, a two-way street there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, so we do fertility rally, you know, we have support groups mm-hmm. every week, a um, couple of times a week. And these women are so knowledgeable now, which is so impressive. And it means they can advocate mm-hmm. for themselves. But like, I remember thinking, God, I didn't know any of this stuff when I was going through it. And I'm kind of, like you said, ignorance is bliss. I'm kind of glad I didn't get so wrapped up in all the details because I think I would have driven myself crazy. And it was just like, it either is going to work or it's not. I didn't know about like beta numbers and doubling and all the potential risks and, you know, just all the things that people know now times a hundred. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally feel that. Mm -hmm. So we, in my mind, I'm like, let's try again now, 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 you know, time, time, we're wasting time again. Let's, let's keep going. So that was January. And of course, you know, you have to wait for your beta levels to drop and you you have to wait to get unpregnant, which it's all like a big, like, Oh, waiting to get unpregnant. Oh, Oh, a hundred percent. There's fuck in the title. It was (laughs) the fucking worst. Oh, thank you. Fuck yeah. No, it was the fucking worst. Yeah. Like, Oh wait, get unpregnant. Waiting for that number to go down. Yeah. The worst. That's really, really hard. It is. It is. Um, So we transferred our second embryo in April and it didn't work. And at the time, again, I didn't really know anyone who's going through it. I told a select few friends I was going through it and I was talking to my therapist about it. And she was like, what if you just kind of announced it? Like, how would that feel? What would that feel like for you? Or is that something that you would be scared of. And in a second, I was like, huh, no, sharing it would help someone else. I think sharing it will help someone else. And if I go, if I share it with that lens and not a lens of like, Hey, here's the reason why I I didn't show up to your baby shower. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if I, if I said, if I started sharing it and saying, you know, someone that has absolutely no idea what could happen from that lens, that, that would be very helpful. And and maybe that's how I would feel comfortable sharing. So I started sharing my fertility journey. And as I was doing it, I was, you know, it was a a low point in, in, I think it was after the second transfer didn't work. I was looking around, I was painting all the time, literally Mm -hmm. all the time and hiding all the time. And it's so not, not my personality. Um, mm, interesting. Yeah. I just like, wasn't myself. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just felt like a different human. Totally. I was, I, I always talk about how I was so insecure. I started to feel really insecure around my friends. Cause I felt like they were all like, she's oh, obsessed with getting pregnant. And I felt like they were all talking yeah. shit about me. And it was, such, it really messed with my psyche. Yeah, absolutely. And the things that you know, make yourself strong and kind of that is is stripped away from you if you allow it to be, mm-hmm. which I definitely allowed it to be. Um, but as I was painting one day, I kind of looked at an IVF needle and I paint with a lot of different mediums, but primarily alcohol ink, mm-hmm. which is sort of a new medium. Um, but it's, it's very flowy and the, the, 
the difficult part of painting with this um, medium is that you don't have that much time to do it before it dries Mm. and you don't have, you don't have that much control over the flow. So it's all trying to control the uncontrollable. See the metaphor is coming. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I took an IVF needle and I was like, what if I put alcohol in it and spread it around? I don't know. This could work. This couldn't work, whatever. Um, And I tried it and all of a sudden things kind of clicked for me. You know, Mm -hmm. this isn't, I'm not physically growing a human right now, but maybe I am making a difference Yeah, for myself and for others. So I really um, dove in, shared my journey, was talking about the IVF needle piece of it. It was something that I'd never heard of anyone kind of doing before. And, and really sharing it with others opened my world. You know, people reached out mm-hmm. from, from all facets of life. A lot of my parents' friends reached out that they were going through this, you know, 30 years ago. And there was, there, there were no um, places you could talk about it. And mm-hmm. it was really, you know, and we come from, you know, I'm Jewish, my husband's Jewish, and we come from a warm open culture, but one that is really nailed in tradition mm-hmm. and, you know, feeling like I couldn't, I couldn't do this mitzvah of having a child for my parents and for, you know, all, no one cared about, but me. Yeah. But that's a like, real thing. That's a legit concern. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was devastating. And then hearing from other people in that community, we're not super religious, but we're, we're, we like, we like the latkes and the rugla. Um, <laughs> but you know, we love, we love the tradition and the community aspect of it and hearing from people in that community, my parents, friends, my friends, parents who were going through that years ago and couldn't do the same things was eye opening to me that we need to be talking about this. Mm-hmm. So then in July of 2017, I transferred my third embryo. So I had two left in the freezer. Mm -hmm. Um, Second and third transfers were frozen and I was pregnant and the numbers were rising and it was all great until we got to the sonogram and we didn't see anything. Mm -hmm. We, we saw a fetal pole. We saw, we saw the beginnings but we, you know, the, the doctor's like, this isn't going to work. Oh, um, crushing and crushing. I remember that day. Like I can't, I will never forget that day. It was mm-hmm. probably the worst day of my life. Mm. I would say. I'm so and sorry. I thank you. And you know, it's just so common. Right. But I, I, I felt like broken, empty. Like I started watching the bachelor all the time. Yes, you did. (laughs) Yes, I did. Because every, and I was like watching on like these crazy websites from other countries, like old episodes. It was, it was crazy. And and it's such a good escape. It's mindless bullshit. We're not talking about kids. No one's pregnant. Like, right. Because I felt like everywhere I went, everyone's pregnant all the time. And then I started showing my art and I actually got out and did my first show and I felt like people, when I was explaining the process behind it, I felt like people were sad for me Mm. and maybe that was in my own head, but I just felt like they were like, 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then my, and it's my, like, I don't want your pity, right? Did you feel that a little bit? Pity. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm doing this for a reason to, to bring, you know, we're going to get through it, but this art's going to last forever. And we're, and, and we're really speaking volumes for the future mm-hmm. in our, in our minds. And Ashley Fisher, who is my business partner, mm-hmm. bestie, we, our husbands grew up together. Um, and that, and we met being their plus ones. <laughs> she said to me, this was like maybe a week after my, my second miscarriage, which miscarriage, let's change that word, please. Yes. Um, she said to me, she was like, okay, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant. And I, I do with it. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to tell you this. I don't know. It. And I was so, I was like, Ashley, I'm so excited for you. This has nothing to do with me. This is all about you. Like, this is, I'm, this is awesome. Da, 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 da. And I was so excited for her. I got in the car and I bawled and I yeah. just like felt like Brian was driving me around for weeks doing errands, doing this and that. And I just like cried in the, the, the passenger seat. Like yeah. I felt like I cried yeah. in the passenger seat for like weeks. It was so bad. <laughs> oh, I know that <laughs> feeling. So that was me like right? crying on the, after I had four miscarriages between my daughter and my son. And after like, I don't know which one, the second one, maybe I remember just like laying on the floor and like pounding my <sighs> fists and dramatically crying, like to the point where I made myself laugh because I was like, this is so dramatic, but I was so <laughs> sad. And I was like, I feel like I'm so in a movie. Sad. Like I felt like I was in a movie oh, as it was happening, which was kind of weird. Yes. yes. And you're like, Cause you're like, how is this it? my life? Right. Right. Which was a reason that I was like talking about it, painting about it because I, that was my happy ending. Mm-hmm. Like if this wasn't it for me, like that was it, you know? So we have these two frozen embryos left and they're very low grade which I've learned is just like a beauty contest. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's, I don't, I don't know, you know, clearly not a, not a scientist, not a doctor, but I don't mm-hmm. think that that has much to do with anything. What I heard from it is that we need to retrieve again. Mm-hmm. And we treat, we did retrieve again. Okay. Um, and I called them my like perfect embryos because I would have my green juice every morning. I would have a cocktail of, of all the things imaginable and, and those were my like perfect embryos, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just so sick of putting embryos in and something not working and all of this that I begged my doctor to put into. And he was very much against it. I don't know if you hear that much that mm-hmm. I, I, I totally understand the reasons why, but he said, I, I was like, I'm putting in these two perfect embryos that I drink the green juice for. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, not about that. He said, well, you can put in two, but it has to be these two that are the low grade ones. Mm, interesting. And, yeah. And, and he was like, I, both aren't going to work. One might work. I don't know. We'll see. We'll put them in. And I, I knew I had the other two as insurance. So mm-hmm. I was okay with that in uh, December of twenty of 2017, I implanted two embryos and then we went to New York for, for Christmas week. Mm-hmm. And we were in, I was in a hotel room. It was like four or five in the morning. 
and I was, I passed a blood clot and was bleeding pretty badly. Mm. And, and sorry to interrupt, but these were the low grade yeah. ones that you were just, these were the two about? low grade embryos. Got it. So like, okay. I didn't think they were going to work anyway. Right. And then you so start was, bleeding and you're like, shit. Right. Right. That's and it was that thing feeling. where like the worst feeling. And it was that thing where I was like, you know, you, I feel like you wipe every day, like looking oh, for blood, right? I still do that a little bit to be totally honest with do you. you? <laughs> yes. I mean, not like so looking for, funny. but like if I have my period and I'll wipe and there's blood, I'm like, oh yeah. my God, I'm so glad I'm not like trying to be pregnant right now or pregnant. Cause that would just throw me into a tailspin. Like the trauma of that does not go away for me. So much trauma, like at work, there's they use like the cheaper toilet paper and you look at it really closely. And there is like a fiber that looks like pink. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I was, I would like stare at that fiber and be like, is that real blood? Wow. That feels ugh, yeah. just taking me back. But um, yeah, so I'm, we're in the hotel room and I call my mom. She they're there with us and she comes right over and the doctor, we called the, we call Shady Grove and they told us I hadn't graduated yet. And they told us that, and I hadn't seen a heartbeat. So they told us that, you know, don't go to a hospital. Um, it's flu season. If they only knew what was coming, <laughs> it was flu season. Don't go to hospital, um, get an appointment at an OB. We had a friend of a friend that recommended us. We got a seven o'clock or something appointment and in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and we're driving from, um, midtown to Brooklyn and I'm crying and I'm, you know, I, I'm miscarrying, like I know it. And we go in there and I'm, I'm laying there and Brian was with me. My mom was in the, the waiting room and the doctor was like, well, here's one heartbeat. And here's another heart. Oh my God. And I've never cried out of happiness before. Yeah. Like pure joy. It was the craziest thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm having twins today. This probably isn't going to last, but for today, I'm going to be really excited for myself today. Right. And. And, you know, whatever happens tomorrow, I'm just going to bottle up what's going on today and feel good about it. And it's so interesting. You say that I don't want to interrupt. Sorry, but you know, it's, I think that that sometimes is part of the key of like, uh, you know, pregnancy after loss or infertility is like, you can only take it one day at a time. And that's like a mantra that my friend Noah Shaw, who was in our support group once was saying Mm -hmm. was like, I'm pregnant right now. I'm pregnant right this minute. And that's all you can do is like be in the moment. And it's harder than, you know, easier said than done. But I think it's a good thing to keep in your back pocket for when you're going through a really hard time that if there is a pocket of joy, like hang on to that for dear life. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like it was like a a video game. Like I got to this level. Um, Right. Totally. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be excited, but one day we'll get the princess. Right. Um, Exactly. So, yeah, I, I felt like the first trimester was, I said a jail of my own anxiety. It was the worst. Like Mm. it it wasn't as bad as, as the miscarriages, but maybe because it was like a waiting for a miscarriage. And I had finally seen a heartbeat for the first time I saw two. And I know these embryos aren't like, weren't, 
the best embryos. So that was the scariest thing. Mm -hmm. And they were tested and I was, you know, afraid to do all the things. I felt like I couldn't talk to many people because the first trimester, you're not supposed to talk to anyone, which I totally disagree with. I think that the first trimester people should be talking because that's when you need the support. Right. That was my theory too, is always like, I don't want to keep it a secret. Cause then if I lose it, I don't want someone to be like, I didn't even know you were pregnant. Like I want them to be there for me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, you wonder why you're not allowed to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I understand all of those reasons, but for me, I, I felt like I needed to. And then, you know, July rolls around. I'm 36 weeks pregnant, my water broke. And those are my now three and a half year old perfect redheaded twins. Oh, hooray. They're yeah. so cute too, Jamie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> These little guys. Thank you. Their names are Ethan and Bennett. They're just besties. They're so wonderful. And, you know, I really, I really try to tell them all the time. Like the other night I was having a conversation with them and I, and I was like, I'll tell you a story about mommy. So mommy wanted to be mommy wanted a baby forever. And I tell them these things. I try to like, you know, I think it's important for them to know the whole experience, but we, yeah. So we went to visit Shady Grove and we saw our doctor when they were maybe like six months old. And he was like, which one of you wasn't supposed to work? (laughs) (laughs) It's just been awesome. The art has really flourished since I really, um, we stay true to the roots of glitter enthusiasts that it means happy place and provides an escape and support for others going through their journeys. You know, we're not doctors, we're not experts, but we are supportive and we are cheerleaders. Um, yep. And, and we have really connected to so many women across the world about their fertility journeys and how to be supportive and using other people's IVF needles to, as they sterile IVF needles, they send as they have leftovers and they'll send yeah. it to, to me and I'll do their nurseries using those IVF needles. So that's been a really cool full circle thing. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Jamie, for all that you do for our community. Guys, check out her beautiful art on Instagram at Glitter Enthusiast and her website as well. It is just so unique and such a cool thing she's doing. I can't speak highly enough about it. So thank you so much to everybody. Definitely check out Fertility Rally if you are looking for a community and a sisterhood and a place where you can, you know, cry and also laugh and share what you're going through. We've got people from all walks of life going through all different things from not going through treatment yet, but thinking about it to, you know, been doing treatment for years and years to people who are going with surrogacy, people who've adopted or are adopting. We also have, you know, pregnant people and new mothers after infertility. So it's an amazing group. We would love to have you join our family. Check us out on Instagram at Fertility Rally or our website, fertilityrally.com. I will talk to you guys next time.